welcome to State of the Nonprofits. I'm your host, Autumn Vest, Executive Director of MSS. Nonprofits are the heart of any community, and here in the Permian Basin, it's no different. This podcast is designed for people who want to make our community better. The ones who work in nonprofits, serve in nonprofits, or the ones who are just beginning to seek out a way to make life better for others. This is where we'll talk about the challenges and hurdles facing our nonprofits and the people we serve. We hope to discover and share some incredible stories of impact and success. There's a new kid on the nonprofit block here in Permian Basin, and it's tackling a huge issue in our region, literacy. I'm here today with the executive director of the Literacy Coalition of the Permian Basin, John Traschetti. And I have a feeling this chat is going to be filled to the brim with great information. So let's jump right in. Welcome, John. Thank you for coming today. Are you kidding? Thank you for having me. Longtime listener, first time caller. Glad to be here. (laughs) Well, we're glad to have you. Let's just jump right in. Let's start with the basic information. John, tell me what is the Literacy Coalition of the Permian Basin? The Literacy Coalition of the Permian Basin is a nonprofit that was started by several philanthropic organizations in our community, nonprofits and foundations, primarily the Abel Hanger Foundation, uh, FMH, the Brown Family Foundation, and the Permian Strategic Partnership. We were founded in 2021, but it really goes back to pre-COVID 2018, 2019. There were some board members at Abel Hanger specifically that really said, you know, we have a literacy issue in this community. As they began to dig, they figured out that while they knew that there was an issue, it was hard to quantify outside of the K-12 space. It's really interesting that there's not a lot of data. I knew in, with my background in, in public libraries that literacy is historically underfunded and under-researched. And so the, one of the first things that we did as an organization is commissioned a study with the American Institute of Research, who had done some work for the Barbara Bush Foundation out of D.C. They have a national action plan that they released in 2021. And so we kind of piggybacked off of that and said, hey, we'd like some data specifically to the Permian Basin. What are the numbers? Because it's easy to go in and say, hey, literacy is important, reading is important, but to get that funding and get that buy-in from local politicians and local civic clubs and organizations, you gotta you got to be able to tell them what the it is. Yeah. And so um, the last year has been really kind of looking at the data and you know, sadly or strangely good, the data was worse than we thought it was to really justify the risk that those foundations took in starting up a new nonprofit specifically to address literacy. And so that's kind of the very Cliff Notes version of how we ended up here. But um, there's a lot of work to be done. Excited about the possibilities. A lot of good work is happening out there. And so much of it is just raising awareness. Every day I run into people that say, what are you doing now? And what do you mean there's a literacy issue. It's just one of those things that permeates in our society that people aren't really aware of because we kind of are insulated in our bubbles. And most of the people that you deal with on a daily basis probably have appropriate literacy skills or literacy skills that are equal to yours. And so it's not something that's really kind of front and center. And so one of the big pushes that our organization is going to do is just education and awareness and try to bring that issue to the to the forefront and put it on the front burner. So, but you're not really looking at youth literacy literacy. You're looking at adult literacy. Why is that so important and impactful? Well, adult and family is what we say. Um, Certainly in some of the small rural areas, we're going to have to partner with K-12 because they're the only game in town. But the the main focus is adult literacy. So much of it in our community and in our region. So we serve a 22-county area, very similar to the PSP, um, 19 West Texas and three Eastern New Mexico. Square mileage, it's equivalent to the state of Indiana, so it's a big, but not densely populated, only just over a million people in that area. But so much of it is workforce development, 
and and job. And we hear, you know, in the oil booms, especially, it's very difficult to recruit and retain employees. We see that in the school districts with teachers. And so it just kind of that snowball rolls downhill. The other side of that is the family literacy piece is that kind of kindergarten readiness, zero to five. What are we doing for those kids? Well, we know that those two things are tied. Those kids aren't ready for kindergarten because they're not getting the instruction at home because the adult probably doesn't have the skills to do so. And so if we do it right, we'll work ourselves out of a job in a generation, which would be a great problem. Right. Um, so, so that's why the focus on kind of either end of the K-12 space. Students are in school and there's not, everyone's learning kind of the same thing. You're in the classroom, you're all learning. With adults, there's a shame factor that we've got to figure out how to address. Um, oftentimes their spouse, certainly their kids, their employers don't know that they have low literacy skills because they've just figured out a way to get by in life. And so if we can couple those things together and make it more of a family piece and not just we're shining the spotlight on you adult that doesn't know how to read, um, make it more about, hey, how do we help you equip and, and improve your child's educational road may be better than what you had it and look at creative ways of doing that. We're not interested in usurping anyone else, what they're doing or working people out of a job. That's not our interest. We want to be a connector and a convener. There's a lot of good work happening, but they just don't have the resources to maybe tell people that they're there, especially in the rural areas. You know, there may be some lady at the First Baptist Church that's been teaching at, you know, Monahans for 15 years, but no one knows that she's there. How can the Literacy Coalition help her and we can drive traffic there? The shame piece or, or getting over that kind of acknowledging that I have a problem is always the biggest challenge with anything. You know, we partnered with the food bank. I know you had Craig Stoker on. Uh, he was one of the ones I listened to. And they'll swallow their pride to feed their kids yeah. because it's not about them. It's getting them to say that they're going to put that investment of time and resources and effort into themselves to improve their their status in life, their job, which in turn makes more money, which in turn improves the home life and the kids. And so we just see that the reading level, the ability to read and read effectively and at a higher level really kind of touches every point in, in a person's life. One of the biggest things for me is that we have to stop talking about literacy as just an education issue. It's always going to be an education issue. I'm a father. I'm a school board trustee. Like, it's an education issue, no doubt. But we have to take the blinders off as a community and say, this is a social issue. When you talk about health literacy, financial literacy, the codependence and the connection between poverty and low literacy and crime and low literacy, that is a common through thread. And we see that if you improve reading skills, recidivism goes down in the criminal justice system. If you improve reading, they don't go to the ER as much. They can apply for a better job. I mean, it just builds upon itself in a really unique way. And so if we can change the narrative about how people view reading and literacy, I think that that would be a huge step. Wow. There's a lot to unpack in that um, and what you said. I think one of the things I wanted to just kind of drill in on is the education piece. And there was something I pulled from this study. I, I did go through the assessment. The quote that I really thought was interesting, though, was expanding adult education opportunities alone will be insufficient to transform adult literacy at a systemic level. I mean, 100% get that. We're not building the field of dreams here. So what is it that you're going to do to create change in that arena? We don't need to talk about and ors. We need to talk about boths and alls. Um, you know, far too often we're, we're, we're looking at what do we choose to do? We have to expand adult education offerings. Um, that's the one of if not the biggest challenge and hurdle is that there's just no access. And so you have to do that piece. 
but you have to be providing things where it gives them the opportunity to do that. Maybe it's childcare. Um, maybe you partner with employers and do that during the work day. Um, you know, Lori Johnson at the Nonprofit Management Center talks all the time about you can't just open eight to five and expect your clients to walk in because that's just not the, the nature of it. You're never going to have that. And so we have to be creative in both our collaborations and how we go about offering the services to meet the client where they are. And so some of that is a geographic challenge. You know, they're out in rural West Texas. Some of that is a time of day challenge. Usually if you're low literate, you're working one or two jobs trying to make ends meet, you probably are going to be at work eight to five and you're probably going to be at work on the weekends sometimes too. And so how do you make it available for them? Um, Child care, transportation, kind of all the normal hurdles are there. And so we have to find a way to address as many of those and remove as many barriers and excuses as people may have so that they can engage and begin that process. So when you're talking about partners and you've mentioned partners and I've heard Leticia and your staff mention members and, sure. and building that together, you're not trying to replace other agencies that are already doing that. A lot of people are still trying to wrap their mind around collective impact. And yes. You know, MSS is a collective impact. You guys, the Literacy Coalition are a collective impact as well. Kind of walk through what that looks like for y'all. So for us, it looks like that there, there are people providing service and we want to twofold. We want to enhance work that's already happening. Maybe they need additional resources monetarily, volunteers, curriculum, materials, whatever that may be. So the good work that's happening, let's improve it. But we've got to figure out a way to address the needs in these what we call literacy deserts, where there's just no offering at all. And so how do we collaborate with a local nonprofit, a civic club, a church, uh, whatever the case may be, to begin to add and build capacity so there is an offering there? So it's twofold for us. We want to partner with the people that are already doing good work and hopefully amplify that. And then we want to partner with people and organizations in places where there's nothing to begin to offer something. We are very much a collective impact, just the size of the place alone. I mean, there's only three staff currently. We can't hit 22 counties. The public libraries are a vital resource for us. That's where in most of those communities, there's dependable Wi-Fi. It already kind of has a literacy thing to it because people are going to get books. And so can librarians in those communities help do literacy assessments for us? I mean, that's just one example, but things things like that, Those the, the community impact piece is it, it doesn't work for us unless we have that. Well, and that was one of the things that I did notice in the assessment, too. They, it was acknowledged Alba Austin over at the Permian Basin Adult Literacy Center. So how have you guys partnered through this this study? Sure. She was she was instrumental in some of the local data, especially when we were trying to find because one of the things that was very important to our board and to us as we went through the process of doing the assessment is, is we want to talk to clients. We want to talk to people that are in a program or need to be in a program and what is working, what are the barriers. And so, again, those that that's one of those organizations that can be a partner. They're doing good work. How do we improve the work they're doing or expand the work they're doing? But she was able to connect us with people where the AIR, the American Institute of Research that was doing the study, could really interface and talk with a client and say, what what is working? How did, how did you get to this spot? How do we improve it? Well, I think that's really important because you, and through the study, we're talking to people who need that assistant or who have recognized that issue in themselves and are looking for that. And it's not just Buddha on the mountaintop saying this is what needs to be done in our community. There's there's research and now evidence of that. 
Correct. Yes. The last thing we want is to be another one of these community impact uh, startup nonprofits sitting in our ivory tower in Midland, pointing out into the rural areas saying that this is what you're doing wrong. Um, We want to really push in to those communities and be able to say, hey, this is where we see the need. And here's the data that backs that up. You may not have this. Now you do. Let us help and provide some of that. Because I think that so far, my experience with people that have really gone through the study and the studies available on our website, literacypb.org, as well as the National Action Plan from the Barbara Bush Foundation. It's 50-something pages. I mean, there's a lot of data there, as you had said. But what's good about that is that it's even broken down by county. And so it's going to be very different. There's not going to be a paint-by-number solution for what works in Carlsbad, works in Big Spring, and works in Fort, Fort Davis. Um, and so we have to be deliberate about going into those communities and say, here's your issue. How can we help? And when we get pushed back, if we get pushed back and say, well, how do you know that? Ah, here's the data. And this is why we know that this is an issue. And what can we do to start to improve it? And I think that's what's so incredible about what you're trying to do, especially in our region, we have a lack of advocates for some of those more distant communities and those more distant, you know, the population. And so being able to help stand up and, and prop up these organizations that are already doing great work, but maybe giving them more resources is truly incredible because we, we are one region and we are a region that struggles with advocacy and, and representation. And so I think that that's just really incredible work. Yeah, historically bad at kind of telling just nonprofits in general, certainly my background with libraries, we're bad at at uh, self-promotion and telling our story. And so uh, we want to do a better job of for this specific issue, just letting people know that there is a problem. What people don't realize is that Texas and New Mexico are both in the bottom five in the country for literacy rates. Wow. And then the Permian Basin is 10 points lower than those state averages. And so the bar was already low. We're below that. 20 of the 22 counties are below the the state average, whichever state that they're in. It's a problem. Um, and if it was a health issue, people would be calling it a, an epidemic. I mean, if, you know, if, if the literacy rates were equal to what people put the effort in for COVID, I mean, we would be talking about a really full court press on how do we address this. But because it's pigeonholed in education, oh, well, they're they're learning to read in school, people deflect that and it goes back into public ed, which is a whole different podcast that we could do sometime. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's really about raising awareness and letting people know that, you know, this, this is a problem and it's going to take a village Um, to really kind of move the needle and and begin to see progress being made. Adult literacy is an enormous challenge facing our entire region, and there is still so much to discuss. Our goal at State of the Nonprofits is to keep our content to commute convenient bites. So please mark your calendars and tune in on Thursday, July the 14th for part two, where we'll discuss more about how the Literacy Coalition of the Permian Basin plans to collaborate and rally other nonprofits already doing great work in literacy. Remember, please subscribe to State of the Nonprofits on your favorite podcast provider. 